What do you get when you throw a pandemic into an advanced society? The birthing of a pointless podcast. We are the neighbors upstairs. What's going on, neighbors? It's the neighbor on the left here with you, and the neighbor on the right is joining me, and Alex Garrett from Alex Garrett Podcasting. He's a he's a longtime friend of mine. I've known him since since like the early years of college. Alex Garrett, how are you, sir? Neighbors, how are you doing? Neighbor on the right, welcome. neighbor on the left. Welcome. I uh, I enjoyed having uh, the neighbor on the left in my virtual apartment the other day. That was a pretty good conversation. So it thanks was for fun. It was so fun. And it was so in depth, and and that's what we crave as podcasters, right? In depth conversation. So let me first. Huh, where do I start? Because even in the last day or so, I felt such an energy shift that has impacted my podcasting. So I moved all my studio from one end of my room to the other. And this is important to me because it felt like I was freeing myself from whatever energy was there before to a newer kind of thing. And uh, now I come back to this podcast and say, since then, things have really looked up for the podcast itself. So have you guys ever had that where the energy just shifts you to a way where you have to literally organize everything, like reorganize everything? It happened to me yesterday. Like the feng shui, right? It's like yeah. you just got, you just, yep. there's a weird feeling. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely have felt that before. I think I change stuff around my apartment all mm -hmm. the time, like all the time. So I, I totally get that. And just uh, a brief background, neighbor on the left and I were on WQMC, I think at the same time and at different times, you know, it was a little time period there where um, yes. it was different, but we were both on there. And I think we're proud WQMC alums, wouldn't you say? I would absolutely say that. I think that my love for not really podcasting, just that my love for being on the air has grown from there. You know, you start to learn a little bit about yourself, how you do with other people and just the friends that I made there. Hey, I'm talking to you because of WQMC. I'm talking to you because of those experiences. And I got to give a shout out to them, all of them, because you know what they did? They took us, and I don't know if it was freshman year you did your show, but they took me as a young freshman into their studio and said, we're going we're gonna to work with you on this. And I was surprised at first because like, this is a college radio station. How are they going to give a freshman? But they do. They give those kids a start. And I'm very thankful for that. Absolutely. I think I was, I think I was a sophomore and I was just like fresh off of listening to Howard Stern and Op Opie and Anthony, uh, you know, <laughs> my heroes of the past. I don't know if I could say that now, but my heroes of the past. And I just wanted to kind of emulate that in any way I could possibly. And I, t I think myself and, and the co-hosts, we did that mm -hmm. sort of. Uh, but yeah, a huge shout out to WQMC. And I hope whoever is listening to us from there can yeah. at least appreciate the fact that we remember and we always will. Amen to that. Neighbor on the right, to be honest with you, I don't remember you from Canvas as much. I mean, did you go to Queens as well? Yeah, I went to Queens as well. Uh, I've def I definitely think that uh, we've probably crossed paths a couple of times, you know, at random moments. But Alex, something that kind of hit me really profoundly about your shift in the way you arranged your room was realizing that I think that points to how powerful self-awareness is in the sense that whether it's how your apartment may be arranged or how we are experiencing a given environment, even if it's a temporary one, or how we're experiencing a conversation, a phone call, mm -hmm. there's always that undercurrent of how we're evaluating and judging. 
And the more we can be self-aware about how we are doing that, and the more we can take that step back to witness how the stimulus is affecting us, the more mm -hmm. we can have the power to just make the situation the best for us. So I'm amazed that you said that because how that started for me was my stepdad and I, we were hanging out in the backyard uh, watching a new bird bath that we installed. And he said, you know what, whenever you go to the window and see it, let me know if the birds are at the bird bath. For some reason, guys, that phrase, when you go to the window, just made me literally go right next to my window at a podcast. There was some calling there that I did that. And you talk about feng shui your apartments and feng shui life. Unfortunately, I think people spend too much money on like the experts. And that's not a bad thing. But what if we could do it self-sufficiently? Like what if we could finally realize in ourselves, hey, we need to move stuff around. I think that would help us a lot in addition to maybe paying for an, a feng shui expert. Well, it's also very subjective, right? Of, of What is a feng shui expert? It's it's someone that through their experiences has decided what the best arrangement in, in a space is. Well, that's, again, that's their experience. What we need internally might be completely different. I think that just being able to change things around your life or perhaps even inside your mind means that you've built that kind of self-awareness over the years and trust, right? The fact that you, Alex, have decided and something kind of just hit your mind in a different mm -hmm. way. Your stepdad saying the window and you're like, wait, hold on. Let me just wait. Well, there's a window right there. Yeah. <laughs> why yeah. am I not looking out the window? And or why is, am I not next to it? Yeah. Why am I not and next to it? Yeah. So that's really cool. When he said that, my brain automatically looked at me where I was looking out the window and I'm like, huh, I don't have to be that far back when I can move everything right to the window. Why not just do that? And, and so here we are. And if you notice neighbor on the left, how much lighter it is because I'm here and not back next to the bookshelf. I think oh, I remember. Some... Yeah, I definitely remember you. Uh, I wasn't listen. I wasn't complaining, man. I got to see I, I got to see my boy, Alex. And here he is, but here he is now and I can see him even, even better. So that's really cool. And now I can see the, the chair that you're sitting on. It looks really, really comfortable. What is and that? there's a light that's hitting that's so much more yeah. impactful. So I was happy about that. Now the podcast, how, how proud are you guys of your podcast that you can't take any criticism that you don't understand why someone would actually say, Hey, this might be wrong or Hey, this should be reevaluated. Do you ever feel like, well, what are you telling me that for? You know? I think that I am my biggest critic. I believe that righty is the same way in those regards. You know what? I don't want to even speak for him. What do you What do you think, righty? Are you pretty critical of yourself, would you say? Of course. I mean, I'm the one that is constantly evaluating myself. No constantly. one else is doing that for me. Right. <laughs> so like, obviously, I'm my biggest critic. It's a lot of rinse and repeat right? There's a lot of uh, introspection and awareness there. So I think that if people are giving me some sort of criticism, I will take it, I'll, I'll take it in stride. I actually enjoy criticism. I don't mind it at all, as long as it's, it's constructive and it isn't just empty. So what does that mean, right? If you're just going to be like, it sucks. Mm. That doesn't mean anything to me. Why does it suck? What, what, like, what is it? Is it the way I speak? Is it the, is mm. it the way I asked a question? What's going on? Tell me more. If you just give me some sort of blank statement, I, I can't do anything with that. And it's much easier to, to sling shit in someone's idea than actually try to improve it. I'm a huge fan of, of slinging shit with perhaps construction bricks mm -hmm. around it. Let's rebuild it. Let's rebuild the building that I poorly, you know, I built really poorly. So, well, let's, and, and I'm glad you set me up for that because here's the thing, guys. Um, today I woke up, did my regular pod, and then I'm going to do another one with 
uh, or I'm, I'm going to have actually have aired an interview with the man who's creating the George Floyd Memorial Sports Complex in Houston, Sarah White, pretty incredible stuff to go and listen to. But after all that's done, I get, you know, this, these comments on a, a podcast I did last week on childbirth and how I want to reduce mortality rates of women who have just had their baby. And I do, I want to reduce the death rate of, of babies that are just born, you know, premature babies and stillbirths. I want to find a way to reduce that. But she's in the community. She's in the OBGYN community. And she laid out all the reasons why she was, you know, really upset with the way I had went about it. And the number one thing was I only used one source. So I had lowered my, you know, I had humbled myself. I said, okay, this isn't cancel culture. This isn't, you know, someone, a mob telling you to close. This is one person who cares about her field and wants a better conversation and wants me to do more than one source researching, which I should know, but sometimes in the heat of the moment, right? We just, we want to go for what we know and what we see in front of us. So those criticisms led me to cancel, literally take down one of my recent episodes and we're going to rebuild it for a better conversation. And I think that recognition that it's okay to, to, not not go too far with it. Like, I don't want to see Paw Patrol canceled. That's so stupid. But, but in our own lives, right? If we, we don't go with the right sourcing, maybe we should evaluate how our podcast went that day. Should we really take it down and just build it up again with a bigger, better base? I want to give you props and I want to give her props. There was a conversation that was built there, right? Yes. There was there was reasonable uh, disagreement. And you know what? Look, she's she's probably right. And you know what? I, I come from more of a, of a science background and I would say she is right one source is enough, you know, let's build it a little bit more. Let's really, let's really back up our claims or whatever. But the fact that you were listening, that you were Mm -hmm. aware of said criticism, again, major props, you really have to be aware. You you like, you really have to be aware to receive Mm -hmm. that kind of uh, messaging and not to look at it as as an attack because someone, Mm -hmm. someone that might not know well enough or perhaps doesn't have as much, I want to say, confidence in the first place might take it poorly. Like, oh, you know, I'm trying at least, but you handle it really, really well. And I'm looking forward to listening to that episode too. Oh, and it's going to take a while because that conversation can't be had in one day, you know? So it's going to take a, a bit of a time to rebuild that. But Which I do want to exactly have it. Which is exactly why I want to, that's a, that's, a, that's a thing though. Now that I know that there's a lot of work going into it, a lot of effort and you're, you're taking your time with it, I want to know more now. I want to mm. know more about it. I want to see how it all comes together. And I think maybe you guys have this feeling too, but I think this quarantine has put us all in a sense of awareness that we weren't in before. I mean, look, you guys started this podcast because of the quarantine. So obviously there was an awareness that you guys were starting to feel that maybe you didn't when we were all on the go before, you know, as of February. I think one of the biggest things that I've learned during the pandemic is the importance of vitamin D. And there's something there is something really fucking magical about, you know, just standing outside and it's a beautiful 70 degree day, pretty sunny. And there's something just so primal and ecstatic about feeling sunlight. And and there's a reason why, you know, there have been cultures or people or individuals who, and at times I feel that way, you know, just look at the sun like a god or a Mm -hmm. goddess, because there is something so vital about it to our health and to us not being indoors living the life of a person in a cubicle and then being home in your house all day. And the sun really does pull to us. And it unfortunately, it's even been shown in the disparity for how poorly some people did with regards to contracting coronavirus, because I think over 80% of people who 
had to be hospitalized very severely were people who were significantly deficient in vitamin D. Yeah. Get those vitamin D guys. Get that. I mean, I'm on the vitamin D supplements. I've always been low on vitamin D. Yeah. The sun is definitely a God. I don't well, know. And, and not only yeah. that, the sun was made by God, right? I mean, that's the big part of this. Is For he sure. created the sun and the moon. So I, I know that on a cloudy day when the sun's peeking through, that's him. And can that I tell you him. something? I was, I was listening to a podcast. I don't remember which one. And they were talking about how in the future, in the future, there's going to be this this idea of building some sort of artificial habitat built around the sun. And they call it the Dyson Sphere. I got to look that one up. Yeah. And, and I'm reading this straight from Google. It is intended to capture as much as possible of the power output of the star and should be a distinctive characteristic of a civilization able to control the resources of a planetary system. Endless energy, right? That's, that's insane. So Dyson? yes, wow, a, a Dyson sphere. Wasn't Dyson like the one that came up with the creative thing with like the testing, I think, earlier in the, the Corona? I think so. The company Dyson. So now we've got the Dyson sphere. So hmm. oh, it's been around for, it's been around for a, a little while, but that, I mean, just to think about like this thing built around the sun, what kind of civilization, just how much more do you need to advance to get to that point? And then once you get to that point, now you control this boundless energy coming from the sun, right? What does that open up our civilization to? That's kind of why. Elon yeah. Musk is going to do on Mars? I don't know. I think this is what you probably might need. I think you might need something like a Dyson Sphere to have enough energy to really kind of start controlling the system around you, right? The problem with going to a Mars or, you know, further down to another planet millions of light years away is we don't have, we don't have the energy, right? Mm. We, we don't have the energy to just set up bases everywhere we go. But with, uh, with this energy, you can kind of, I guess, transport it from planet to planet and, and do with it what you will, grow the civilization more. It's insane. I mean, that, uh, that, that is so interesting. And what Elon has been doing is just incredible and Mars is going to be fun. But I wanted to backtrack on the corona for a second. I, I have to believe the guys that were up in space now, the astronauts that successfully launched were tested for COVID, right? Because I was thinking to myself, what happens if those two gals up in the space station get it? What happens if the space station gets COVID? And I don't think it's going to happen, but I mean, it was just a weird thought that oh, hit damn. my head. No, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're tested like yeah. daily yep. probably before going on to... Um, the mission for sure. <laughs> I can't even, I can't even imagine a scenario where, where they forgot to get tested. But it's so weird that in the time of COVID, those two people were like the first two in space post or well during COVID. So I'm, I'm sure they got tested, but it is kind of interesting to think about in my, in my viewpoint anyway. You're reminding me of how the difference between how UFC events relaunched in Jacksonville and then in Las Vegas. Las Vegas has been a little bit more strict, which has kind of bugged me a little bit because what ends up happening is that to be a part of the event, everyone has to test negative. And anytime they had someone test positive, they were sent home. But if you have, let's say, even a, a house party and part of you being allowed in is that you've tested negative, then once you everyone in the house has tested negative, what's the point of still trying to enact restrictions if you're all negative? Like, yeah. why are you still wearing a mask? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're the, the people in the fighters' corners will still have masks. And Las Vegas, did, I mean, Nevada, yeah, mm -hmm. Las Vegas, they didn't let them do even in-person interviews, even though they're both people who tested negative. 
there's well, no false positive transmission. Well, I mean, false, false positives, people. though. That's a, that's for sure a thing, though. False positives is something you need to consider. Yes, they were but tested. Also they, though, and those happened at the time where it was still heated, right? So COVID was still really ramping up and to the point where having a live sports event was so groundbreaking because it was still during COVID. So I think that was part of it, too. It was the timing of it, not so much the you know the fear it was just timing of in the heat of covid we're having this ufc event yeah it was kind of weird with no fans at all but they didn't want to take a risk i guess but i I think it's also the optics no isn't it also the optics like can you imagine that's the only reason why they made that decision right it's you you, they don't want that public outcry people that Mm -hmm. might not know any better and i'm not again i'm not trying to knock the people But, you know, people might look at it and be like, well, what's going on here? They're not. See, see Dana White, see Dana White. Uh, who, who does he support? Trump. Trump. Mm-hmm. He supports Trump. And you see ignorance, ignorance. And that's what I'm talking about. It's an optics thing. I feel that's probably why they, they did it. And that's why when, when there's a winner, I think someone is there's someone in the corner that isn't wearing a mask. There's always like, like that one or two guys. Right. Do you yeah. do you notice that? Yeah, <laughs> I don't really watch, but you guys, I guess, know would know better. But neighbor on the right, I have I have. A story for you guys, which I don't know if you heard or not. You mentioned house parties. There was still an a-hole. I guess I can say asshole, but I don't you like can say asshole. So much. In, in New York City, throwing potluck dinners during this thing. He was 31 years old. He was like a bratty millennial. You can tell on his feet he's a bratty millennial. And he was throwing these parties. And it's like, and then clubs were still allowing people in. And it just was like, I thought we were all supposed to be inside. How come the cops aren't necessarily cracking down on these things, but they're cracking down on someone if they don't wear a mask? It just, there were so many alternate realities I was starting to feel. Like, <laughs> which reality are we in? The one that has the potluck lunches or the ones that's locked in? I don't know. I, and where I judge that is what's being prosecuted and what's not. If these parties aren't being prosecuted, yet you're not wearing a mask, and that is, then what reality should we be in? It's very confusing to me. I'm also confused. So what happened? Like, is this kid still throwing these potluck dinners or potluck? I don't know. He's, um, I can't really share the screen, but I, I would, I would say it was a 31 year old in, you know, Manhattan, Upper East Side, I think, you know, bratty rich kid. Uh, you know, maybe there's nothing wrong with it. But when you start throwing parties during this, I start to think you have a little issue. Yeah. Look, here's the thing. It's really confusing what's going on. I don't know what to believe. I don't know what not to believe. You know, some said that, oh, uh, the chance of you getting something from someone that is, that is asymptomatic is very, very low. That was, I think that was the World Health Organization saying that. And then Fauci, literally, I think the next day is like, oh, no, that's a lie. They, they misspoke. I don't know what to believe anymore. Is, it, was, is this 31-year-old, you know? And- and the biggest farce of all, if you guys would allow me to say this, is that we were all locked in while they were allowed to protest. It was it still boggles my mind that they could flood the streets, which was they have the right, but I thought the anti lockdown protests were bad because of that same Well Como Como and de Blasio, they're getting sued right now. Mm-hmm. They're getting sued by, I think, religious communities that were, I guess, penalized or punished in some sort of way because they were trying to, you know, celebrate or do something according to their religion. And mourn losses too, have funerals. Yeah. yeah. They were doing. I mean, yeah, you can't go to a funeral where even just your immediate family, where you, you can be out there, even if necessary, with a mask and gloves, just to do something, you know, as important as burying a loved one. But thousands of people can protest and now public health people will sycophantically just talk about how, oh, it's a public health crisis and now all of a sudden it's good. And yet these are the same people who are saying how coronavirus has unfortunately disproportionately affected the black community. And now they're excusing 
what could potentially hurt the black community even more. Right, alternate realities. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Mm -mm. It doesn't now, make any sense we, at all. Neighbor on the left, since we last talked, I know you were saying you were still going to stay inside and stay safe. Have you broken that yet, or are you still doing that? It's a, Yeah, so since the last time, I don't believe I've broken it. I mean, the only reason I would break it is to shop for food because I want to live and everything. That's an important thing. But you haven't gone to bars or anything either, I guess. No, I'm not going to bars and I still haven't went on physical dates. You know, there's just no point yet. Mm -hmm. Again, if you remember what I, what I said to you, if I can't speak to someone for one month and enjoy communication, I don't see the point of rushing mm -hmm. meeting that person. You know what I mean? So I think that this has been a good and bad thing. And it's definitely been a bad thing, but it's been an interesting thing to see. Like, well, mm. is communication really dead or is it alive? Is it coming back? Well, like what's happening? I've been talking more on the phone. That's yeah. been really cool. People yeah. are getting tired of texting. They're getting tired of the screen fatigue. They want their eyes to kind of heal and relax. So now it's going to the phone. That's kind of exciting. What do you think, Alex? Oh, I, lo I love it. And I think it's exciting because... How, how much we base our lives off the texting, right? Now, I feel like people who weren't open to having phone calls are now open to it because of the situation. And I'm very happy about that because you need that, especially when you're apart and you've got daily duties and then you want to talk on the phone and talk about the game plan. That's good. Like, that's what we need. Texting can lead to a lot of miscommunication and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, listen, I appreciate texting. Sometimes I don't want to speak to a certain person and I'd rather you just say, hey, what's up? And then I can just ignore you for like two hours <laughs> and then get back to you. But for the most part, I'm loving it. I'm loving the, the whole phone rebirth talking to people and then kind of really finding out about people. Um, mm. my, my sister was talking to me about how like she's realizing certain people are great with texting. They're just so great. They built up this personality, this persona, you know, this, this front stage kind of uh, character. They're just so great. But then you get them on the phone and that all disappears. The mm. facade just drops, right? So you really you really are starting to understand who the hell you're speaking to. Am I speaking yeah. to the real you or am I speaking to someone that you created on text? So I think that's, uh, been, that's been really exciting. Uh, I want to both, I want to compliment you both, by the way, on that interview with the quarantine dating, which is kind of like where I want a neighbor on the left and, and neighbor on the right, you're welcome to come on as well. Maybe both of you back on my pod would be awesome. I but would love that, yeah. right? Yeah, I, we, I think, you know, right, righty listened to your, there was this one episode where Denise Richardson interviewed you. I just know that I recommended the, uh, the episode to righty and he, he was kind of like, holy shit, that's what? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we would love to be on, on your show. Thank, Meet for a thank second you. time. That'd be great. Would love to have both. And to your to the point that was that the quarantine dating episode was really eye opening. It was like, whoa, this this girl you had was not afraid to go out and meet this person. What is the what what is going on? I thought we were not supposed to do that. <laughs> and that's 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 exactly what's happening. We have to somehow adapt to the situation, and that's how she adapted. She realized, listen, I can't keep talking to you on the phone. I can't keep texting you. I need to know who you are. Are you who mm. you say you are? Right? Catfishing is still a huge problem, right? I mean, mm. have you guys ever seen? An episode of, of uh, Catfish. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. I try <laughs> so, not watch it, but way dude, back in the day, dude. Once. It's so insane. But here's the thing: it's always funny to me when I watch it because the person getting catfished, they aren't any better. Because first of all, they don't even look like how they uh, have themselves in the pictures. There's like this one episode that I'm thinking about in particular when they get fooled and they find out that they've been catfished, and it's like, dude, this is the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> That's why I love the neighbor on the left. He he. 
he, you know, goes after every part of society that doesn't make sense. <laughs> and I love that. Speaking of not making sense and the worry of, you know, events with people crammed in, not socially oh. distancing, not using masks and worrying about that being some sort of a super spreader event. There, there was that Lake of Ozarks party in uh, Missouri where yep. the photos were very alarming, but apparently... This Nobody week, a it. Missouri health official said that they don't believe that much, it much just, transmission happened at that party. So, And what I said was, I thought this was supposed to spread like wildfire. What happened to that theory? It was debunked in one instance there. And I mean, Joe Rogan, I remember when he had a doctor on. And the doctor, I forgot what the doctor was, but this doctor, he he really made Joe Rogan kind of panic. Yeah, I think Joe Rogan almost had a panic attack on that episode. But mm. that's that's what it is, man. We don't know what this is. We don't know what the coronavirus disease is. We're learning more about it every single day. The World Health Organization is completely unreliable. I, I don't listen to anything that they say. I'm just paying attention to the collective, I guess. Uh, but we have to pay attention to what the CDC says because they're about to lock us down. They say they they could lock us down again. And I'm like, again? I mean, I think based on the data, I think we do have some sort of a picture, which I think is that A, it really affects old people, mm-hmm. especially those in nursing homes who have been almost 50% of the deaths. B, having an, being at least 60 and having an underlying health condition puts you at risk more significantly. And C, mm-hmm. it does not really seem to affect young and healthy people. No, it doesn't. I don't know the, the exact well, I actually, them, I actually do know someone that is our, in our age range that was affected by it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was kind of like, I guess, a cold. That's how she described it to me. But her boss and her boss's wife died from it. And it wasn't as if they were really, really old. They were, I think, in their 40s or something. So that's where we have to tread the fine line, right? Like, we can't completely debunk it, but we can certainly say stats may be overblown here, right? It's, it's, it's a little weird. Yeah, it's a little weird. I think everyone is looking for the black and white answer, but that's, you're not going to get that. There's just, there's just too many variables to consider. It's just too many things. We don't, we, we don't know. And there's so many people. Mm-hmm. Are we at 400 million Americans yet? I, I don't know. I just, I don't think so. But, but my point is like we, and even if we do find the, the black and white and there's something that kind of ties it all together, you're talking about 400 million Americans all taking direction in a beautiful manner, which is impossible. There's just, that's never going to happen. I mean, look at our country now. It's falling apart pretty much. No one's listening to each other. So even mm. if we had that, even if there were these, these step-by-step uh, of rule book of what to do, what not to do, and what the coronavirus actually is, are we all listening? Do we have mm. hope in civilization or within this country, at least, to listen and pay attention and help ourselves, right. really? So, so true. I, it's just... Okay. Well, what if what if they allowed protests to go on knowing the numbers would increase just to give us a reason to keep us locked down? I do feel like there's some strange core, you know, correlation to that. To perhaps control elections <laughs> later well, on? To no, but to definitely say, Oh look, here's a second wave. Well, how'd that happen? You let the protesters go. You didn't say what you but said. But the media will ignore that. You know that. The media is not gonna blame the protesters. And now, and that's why we exist to give the alternative view, right? That's right. That's why we exist. Right. That's exactly right. So media, for sure. I mean, you could say for sure, liberal media is not going to allow protesters to take the blame. And but you're for sure going to have a conservative media that will push that. And they shouldn't, though. Neither side should blame the protesters. Neither side should blame the protesters. Something, and something terrible. We happened. shouldn't conflate criminal activity such as looting property destruction or hurting other mm. humans as being we should not conflate that as someone doing that is not a protester 
No, they're just douchebags. Well, right. And <laughs> they're, they're criminals. Well, and they should be taken point. off the street. They made that distinction very clear. And I think it's not kind of really, though. The, the liberal media seems to, and even the celebrities seem to be fine and even happy to cover for these people. Well, they're funding. The point of saying that police or National Guard or even the military should not get in the way of these people doing these actions. Or how about this? Why don't we have a study, if we could, of rioting initiation against the cops versus cops initiation against protesters like where's the there's a disparity there i don't believe every interaction was caused by the police i have to believe there were some agitators that led them to act the way they were and what we saw on camera 100 percent agreed the right way is simply this we don't worry about the anarchists in seattle right now taking over seven city blocks in in seattle which i'm sure by the time this is posted will be the same situation i don't know we'll have to see how that goes but what we could do on our podcasts is focus on other situations that really, you know, detract from those attentions. Because when we don't focus on that, that'll resolve itself, right? We're not, we're not going to Seattle to try and resolve it. That's going to resolve itself. So we need to use our podcast in a way that can resolve local issues that can really bring a conversation and not complain about what's in Seattle. We can't control that. Heck, we can't even control the rioters. We just see it. We can't control it. So what we can control is just something in our heart that eats at us, that wants to put on the microphone every single day. That's what we could talk about. I think that's a, a, it's a great way to end this episode. I think that I for sure want you to come back again, Alex. And we, we didn't even get to the fact that I'm that you're upset I'm wearing a jet jersey. Today. No, we gotta that, talk and that's that. and and that's why we no, want you cool, back. School, don't on. listen to him. <laughs> that's exactly why we want you back because we haven't even talked about what you're wearing, which is come on, Giants, let's go. And you know, you know, and know the you know, Jets are wrong. And 20 years ago marks a very special time in August, which I don't know if you want to talk about on the next one, but we should. I loved I loved having you here. I want to say thank you to everyone out there that's listening. Again, if you've been enjoying this show, please subscribe, follow, tell someone about it, please, because we love doing this and we're having fun. Righty, as always, it's been a pleasure. And Alex Garrett from Alex Garrett Podcasting. God bless you, sir. Thank you for being on with us. We can't wait to be on your show soon and kind of continue the conversation. And Alex, before we go, do you want to plug anything? Well, sure. You can find Alex Garrett Podcasting on Apple Podcasts. That's Alex Garrett, I think is my main name there. Alex G in NYC is my Twitter. Alex G in NYC is my Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook at Real Alex Garrett. So there's that. But I got to leave you guys with this one question. Will you still be my neighbor tomorrow? Absolutely. Hell yeah. Absolutely. All right. I love guys, it. thank you so much. Have a great one. And we shall continue this next week.